What is going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling these stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. Uh, again, to kind of reiterate and answer a couple questions that some people have asked me, yes, I will be at Cosida 2018 in D.C. if you want to come by, stop by, say hi. Uh, I don't know, just hang out a little bit. Just let me know on our, my personal Twitter, at David Gibson underscore XC. And you can also, while you're at it, follow us on social media at Sports Infocast on both Twitter and Facebook. Uh, let me know what you guys think of this new kind of what we're doing with the um, the video stuff that we that we have coming out, usually Friday or Saturday. I, I usually try to make it like a Friday. Um, and I want to know what you guys think about it. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, the, these people emailed me for a long time. Um, and I, for the life of me, can't remember what the product's name is, but uh, I think it's Spearmint, Spearmint, Spearmin, Spearmin, S-P-A-R-E-M-I-N. So like a spare minute, you know, um, they email, they kept emailing me, emailing me, try our product, try our product. And I was like, okay, screw it. Let's just see what you have to offer. So I tried it and uh, I, I really do enjoy it. And I think that it looks pretty cool. I, it's kind of like a visual form to kind of share your podcast. And that's what I like about. It. I've always wanted to do the video stuff, the uh, the audio ways. I learned how to do it on InDesign or not InDesign, but After Effects, and uh, it just took too much time. And then I tried this thing, and it worked out pretty well. So uh, anyway, email us anytime if you have any products you want to try <laughs> or something like that. Uh, Sportsinfocast at gmail.com. You can find us there. Um, and like I said, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Sportsinfocast on both of those. Uh, give us a rating and review. If you haven't done it already, it just takes a couple seconds. And I know that uh, some people have already done that, and I really do appreciate it. I do read those from time to time just to make myself feel good and kind of push me to keep on doing this sort of thing. So doing those um, kind of helps out with the algorithm stuff, expand the community a little bit, maybe some uh, SIDs that are maybe – were my shoes before I even started doing this podcast. They were like, I want to listen to a podcast about sports information. They didn't find anything. But uh, now, well, that was going on two years ago. And now you can uh, with this show. So uh, go ahead and go do that. And that'll just kind of branch out our community a little bit. Maybe some SIDs or athletic communications professionals out there that haven't heard about us. Uh, this is an easy way to do so. So uh, anyway, let's move on to today's guest, Frank Mercangliano uh, from New Mexico. He actually, a New York kid, went to college in North Carolina, then Pembroke State, now it's UNC Pembroke, uh, before taking a job with a small school in the Charlotte area and then working in some minor league baseball for a little bit, um, and then moving to 12 years with Idaho State. Um, actually, his first ever college football game he's ever, ever worked. He's been to one college football game prior to then uh, in person in his life, and um, it just so happened that all of a sudden he was propelled to being a football SID at a, a division one uh, FCS level school in the big sky. So, and ironically his uh, first ever college football game that he ever worked was Idaho state versus New Mexico. And it's kind of funny. We'll talk about that. Uh, we'll talk about moving across the country, um, kind of aligning family goals. It's touched on a little bit. He's got some great advice for some young professionals out there. Maybe even some people that have been established in this profession for quite a while. So I really did enjoy this one. Uh, Frank was very gracious enough to uh, Skype me from his daughter's house 
um, after driving for a very long time uh, for his daughter's wedding. So I do appreciate it, Frank. And we'll start off today, episode number 79 of SID Cast with Frank McCongliano of the New Mexico Lobos and his very first taste of sports information right here on SID Cast. kid i had a college scholarship i played uh, i was a go- I, people meet me in real life and they're like you were a goalkeeper but because i'm not very tall but i was a goalkeeper at unc pembroke uh, and back then it was pembroke state and so i walked into the gym it was probably one of the first you know it was the first two weeks i was there and uh there was this big just we're going to be politically incorrect big fat guy just a big fat guy stapling pictures and stuff on a bulletin board in the gym and I, being the rude New Yorker I was, walked into my coach's office, and I'm like, hey, coach, who's the fat guy? Because I had a bad New York accent. I was terrible. Uh-huh. And, and he's like, Frank, that is not polite. I'm sorry. He's <laughs> like, that's our sports information director. And I'm like, oh, what's a sports information director? Uh-huh. That's the guy who does all our statistics and writes all the stories for the newspaper. And I was like, whoa, 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 time out. That's a job? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, no way. I'm like, you got to be kidding. Like, I had already started school. I was taking all – I was. I thought I was going to be a history teacher. Um, and so I'm taking all these history classes, and I'm like, well, that's what I wanted to. That's, I, I know that. Uh-huh. I, I've done that all my life because I was – you know, as a nerd, I had, like, status pro baseball, and I had micro league – I bet you any SID that's around my age has played micro league baseball and kept stats by hand and stuff like that. So I'm like, this, this is what I should be doing. So I kind of watched him and I introduced myself and I never did tell him I call what I call him, but he was, he was great. And he told me to, he told me to go to school for a year. And if I'm still interested when I'm a sophomore, come see him. And I thought, okay. Uh And first day of my sophomore year, I was in his office and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. What do we got to do? And he got me. He got me started. So uh, I basically started my sophomore year of college. And you know, I was actually listed as the assistant SID as a student, which was I, I always thought that was kind of cool. And the co-sided director back then, we used to have a printed directory now, uh-huh. and uh, it was cool to see your name. I remember showing my mom. I went home. I got a directory, and I showed my mom. I was like, "Look, I'm making it here." And so uh, that was that was my first taste of it, and I've been doing it ever since. So what was some of the first things that you got to do? Maybe was, was it kind of like a trial by fire, or what were some things that he made you do? Oh, God. So so not only was it Pembroke State's sports information office, and I want to say we had like 11, 12 sports. I think we had, we had men's – we didn't have women's soccer. That's how old this was. We didn't huh. have women's soccer. We had men's soccer. Now it's actually the opposite because they got rid of men's soccer. Um, but there's only like 10 or 11 sports – but he was also the conference and the NEIA. So he was NEIA District 26 coordinator. Mm. And he also did the South Atlantic Conference and the Carolinas Conference. So on Sundays, he would come in. He had this dot matrix computer and it had Lotus 1, 2, 3. And there's people that are old that are listening to this right now. I can't believe I sound like an old guy. <laughs> but it was Lotus 1, 2, 3, which is sort of the precursor to, to like XL, if you can think about it that way. And uh, we didn't have fax machines. So every Sunday in the morning, 
they would uh, each coach had a ten minute window to call. Now, if you can imagine this, you have football coaches playing on Saturday that on Sunday morning they would have to call in their own statistics. So they would call in and it'd be like, "All right, quarterback, junior, five nine, two hundred pounds." And they just go through it. He'd be like, "One hundred and fourteen completions, one hundred and eighty nine attempts," and they would just go. And it was it was that way every every Sunday. And I would be the one who had to answer the phone call. And then and he had like the he had the phone that had the little piece so you could put it on your shoulder so you could type uh-huh. while listening. And I was in charge of typing all that stuff in while he did all the Pembroke stuff. And I guess I, I did it every week. And it, I think it was one of those things where if you can do that boring, menial task for 11 straight weeks, you probably have a chance at this. Uh-huh. And so it was, fun. It, it was kind of fun because we didn't have football. So it was the most football I got to do and stuff like that. Uh, so what was next for you afterward? Once you graduated college, um, what was the job search like? Where were you at with life at that time? So I got, I, there's nobody has this. I've never met anyone in this profession that has a story. I got my job before I graduated. So um, the AD at Belmont Abbey College was a guy named um, Joe Gallagher, who used to be at Pembroke, was a star athlete at Pembroke. And so he was the basketball coach at Belmont Abbey, and he was the AD at Belmont Abbey. And so I had written him a letter my senior year saying, you know, I would be very interested. I know you don't have an SID. I'd be very interested. And they had hired some newspaper guy, a guy named Sam Bundy, who was just awful. (laughs) And that fell apart in a hurry. And so I went up. I think I graduated in May, but I went up there in uh, April because it was before my birthday. I went up there in April, drove over. I took an interview. I I had a piece together. I didn't really have a suit. I had a piece together, a suit from all my fraternity brothers and kind of (laughs) mix and match. And we did the whole thing, and he offered me the job, and I got it. So I got the job before I graduated. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, I had called him, and we were good, and I was coming in in August. I was coming in on August 1, and I showed up on August 1, and, like, I didn't know this, but he had gotten arrested for DUI and got fired. And so there was a new AD, and people were like, I'm not – we have to find some information on you. So I had like three days where I was like, do I really have a job here? But it all it all worked out. So I was at Belmont Abbey for two years. Uh, it was great. It was just an NEIA school. I lived on campus. Wow. Uh, they paid me seven. I got paid $7,000 a year. Uh, that was it. Uh, I lived on campus. Um, I got a meal plan during the, during the summer. I was screwed. I couldn't do anything during the summer. But during the school year, I had a meal plan. And it was cool. It was like I was a little older than the students. Uh, and an odd thing, they put me on the girls' floor. It, my dorm room, they gave me a suite. Mm-hmm. So they gave me all four rooms and a suite, but it was on the girls' floor, which I don't know how the hell a Catholic college got away with that. But that's <laughs> where I lived was on the girls' floor, which is kind of funny. Uh, but I did that for two years and then decided, you know, I actually need money. I, I actually need to be an adult and make more than seven thousand dollars i needed a paycheck with maybe four digits instead of three and i got uh i got lucky again and in a case of who you know augusta state university at the time augusta college 
their AD was a guy named Clint Bryant who went to school at Belmont Abbey. So when I applied for that job, the eight, one AD calls the other, and I luck out, I get that job. So I was there for four years. So when you kind of you started as a sophomore or sophomore in college with with your duties and everything, so what was kind of transition like for you? Maybe that first uh, year or two at Belmont Abbey, and then even at Augusta State. Um, you know, it was interesting because we didn't have uh, Belmont when we were at Pembroke. I got lucky because uh, I learned stat. We had Statman back then, uh, which was sort of the precursor to. Stat crew that everyone uses. I had to get used to Stat crew because I was so used to Statman, and uh, we didn't have in-game baseball. I mean, I mean, it was, it was. I hate to put it this way. It was a simpler time. We didn't have the internet. <laughs> you know, we didn't like. I remember when we got a fax machine. It was great. You'd smell the thermal paper, and it's like, whoa, contact high. You know, it's like that was like really cool stuff. And so, you know, the transition was pretty easy. Um, because Belmont Abbey didn't have anything. They had nothing. It didn't matter what I did. I, I could do anything, and it was new, and, hey, this guy's got his act together. You know, I remember I put uh, – um, I don't know why I didn't just use the schedule, but I, I had, like, a, a, a form, and I had the schedule written out on the form, and on one side was going to be our score, and the other side was the other score. I had them all for the whole thing taped up in my office behind me on a bulletin board. And, like, the coaches would come down, and they were baffled by that. They were fascinated that someone was that together to have all those things. And I was just like, it's kind of a normal thing to have the schedule. (laughs) I got to know when the hell we're playing. So, you know, I, I, it was, and it was long ago. It was, you know, that was 20, I was 22 and I'm 48 now. So it was 26 years ago when I I got that first Mm -hmm. job. And so a little bit of it was, I didn't know, but you know, it was a really small Roman Catholic college that didn't have money. We had nothing. We had nothing. Literally had nothing. And so, but all of us didn't have anything. The coaches didn't have anything. The assistant coaches didn't have anything. So you end up being this really tight band of brothers who I I still talk to those people to this day. You know, one of the coaches was Ken, Ken Lola, who's at uh, Louisville now. He's Louisville's head soccer coach. Wow. He was at Akron for a while. And, um, you know, the, the best thing about the Belmont Abbey experience was I got my first experience with with a, can I, I shouldn't curse, but it was a holy crap moment. Uh-huh. In that, you know, where Belmont Abbey were the small little podunk. We were good in soccer. Our men's soccer team was really good. But we were kind of this podunk little NAIA soccer team. The University of North Carolina, God bless them. Hey, come on up. We got, you know, we just need an easy win. And we beat them. We beat them two to one. And it was like, that was my first moment of, oh, crap, I've got to strike. Because nobody cared about Belmont Abbey Athletics. Let's be honest. But that was my first shot at, whoa, people will care about this because of what we just did. And we got a lot of play. And it was a lot of, you know, back then there's no fax. You know, not everybody had a fax machine. It's a lot of phone calls. It's a lot of calling the news guy and saying, hey, you really need to get this. We won two to one. This is their deal. This is our deal. And I remember that was the only time in my two years that we ever made the Charlotte nighttime news. I remember flipping the channels to get to all three sports stations. And it was a cool deal. And the Charlotte Observer wrote something on us. And that was like my first experience with that. So you're a New York kid, went to college, worked in the Carolinas, and then all of a sudden you're put out in Idaho. 
Was there any culture shock? Okay, so so I, I, I grew up in New York. My parents moved me to South Florida, which is like New York, really. Right. Uh, my senior year of high school. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Uh, so that was great. I had a breakup with my girlfriend. I finally got a girlfriend. It took forever. I got a girlfriend, and now you're moving me away from her. I hate you, parents. Um, but, you know, the Pembroke thing, I did the Pembroke thing on my own. I applied to college on my own, got my scholarship on my own. So all that was fine. I go out. I'm down in uh, Georgia. That's uh, where I meet my wife uh, at the time. She was my wife at the time. I met her, obviously. But I, I meet her. We get married. Uh, I... I most people know me. I have three daughters. I actually inherited the first two. Not everybody knows that, but I've raised them since six and four. So they're mine. Uh, and she was from Idaho. And so it was, you know, the culture shock wasn't moving from Georgia to Idaho. To be honest, the culture shock was I've only seen one college football game in person. And now I'm the college football SID. Yeah. <laughs> I got a college football job without ever working a college football game, which is unheard of so that to me was more of the culture shock was just you know uh, augusta state had one division one program a golf team was division one so i got used to dealing with like the clemsons and the south carolinas because you uh-huh. play all those but going to idaho state you know i didn't have an assistant so i had to get an assistant real fast and it was just the culture shock was more the sports and I could, I could live anywhere. I mean, Pembroke, listen, if you want culture shock, go to Pembroke, North Carolina. There's <laughs> one traffic light. One. Wow. And unlike Bowie's Creek, where my brother works, ours was a solid light that actually turned. Like, my brother's light blinks. It's just a flashing red light. My, you know, the one traffic light was fine. You know, the only fast food joint we had in town was Hardee's. It was like, if you want, to ha- if you want fast food, you're going to Hardee's. Or you're not going. You're not getting anything. <laughs> so, the, you know, I went to Idaho, and there's a McDonald's and a Burger King, and I'm like, woohoo, food. So that, like, that wasn't that big a deal. I, I mean, and at that point, I had three kids. I have three daughters. There, there's no more culture shock for where you live. I can live anywhere. So kind of the fr- same phrasing of question for you. You know, you just got this family and everything, but now all of a sudden you got to move from Georgia all the way over to Idaho. So, again, kind of same asking, life like at that time. Well, how was the interview process? Can you spare no detail? Uh, the interview process was interesting. I flew up. Uh, I did the phone I did the phone interview, and I, I was told that I was, like, the last one to make it through the phone interview thing. And so they brought me, they brought me up. They talked to uh, the sitting assistant, a guy named Lauren Wogelmuth, who actually got the job. I didn't get the job. Lauren got it. Uh, and then they talked to Dan Pombianco, who was at Humboldt State for a long time. And, and I went, and I did a good job, and I met with Irv Cross, was the AD who hired me, you know, for the NFL today. And it was really, some of it was weird. They were introducing me to the basketball coach who had been fired but finished out the year, and he was just complaining to everybody when I met him. It was just, there were some weird things going on. So, um, the interview went well, you know, we kind of looked around. I told the guy that I was replacing Glenn Alford, who'd been there for 31 years. I was like, look, you know, I I don't envy the situation you're in. I know you have an assistant. You probably want your assistant to get the job. You've been with him for five years and they're parading all these other people on there. I just hope everyone gives me a chance. And 
he thanked me for kind of how I approached it. Um, Irv Cross wanted me. Like I was the I was basically everybody's pick, mm-hmm. but politically they kind of felt like if we don't hire Lauren, who's been here and paid his dues and did good things while he was there, then there was going to be uh, you know there was going to be a problem. And so they gave the job to Lauren and they asked me to reapply as the assistant. And I was like, well, okay, mm-hmm. probably pay cut. This sucks, but whatever. So as I was getting ready to do that, after six weeks. Lauren was there all of six weeks, walked into the AD's office, and he was from Port- he's from the Portland area. He went to the University of Portland. That job opened up, and they just hired him. And so wow. he basically dropped his resume off and said, I'm done. I got my dream job. And so then they called me and said, hey, do you want the head job? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And, and I went. And, and it was weird. It was, you know, actually things were really weird. I don't know why Lauren, like, I think there was a problem with Lauren and I. I don't have problems with anybody. Uh-huh. I really don't. And like there was an issue with Lauren and I for a while, but I, I bought him a beer at Cosida, and we talked it out, and now we're we're all good and everything. I think everything, you know, time heals all wounds. I think it was probably too near because he was he was very protective of that job, which I totally get, and he did he did good things there. He was he was good. So how, I'm just kind of curious. I read this on your bio a little bit. I like to do my research on my people. Uh, the oh, first ever college football game you worked actually uh, was the Idaho State New Mexico game. Uh, how much yes. about how much do you think about that? Maybe you're just like, wow, that was kind of like fate a little bit because that's your very first. Kind of, like you mentioned, you only saw one game in person, and the very first one you work is going to be your future employer down the line. Yeah, it was it was actually weird. Uh, so in my office, I have I keep all the passes and I have these two boards, uh, two bulletin boards. I just keep hanging. I, need, I probably need more than two at this point. But one of the one pass that's in the top left corner that never gets covered up by any of the other ones is my very first press pass, and it's Idaho State at New Mexico, and it's yeah, uh, it was just it, it was a fun game, um, you know. It's still to this day we said when I was at Idaho State we set a record for the longest visiting field goal, fifty five yards. Wow! On the first kick, that was the first points we ever scored. It was. It was like it was close. That game was close. It was like it was like nine nine or ten nine, and then we screwed up and gave up two touchdowns in the last minute. Uh, but Earl, you know, I remember Earl Acker was playing for them uh, at the time. Rocky, it was Rocky Long's first game as head coach of New Mexico. They were coming off a bowl trip. Uh, they had gone to the Insight.com Bowl in '97 okay. uh, under Dennis Franchino, and so it was like it, it was. I, I remember all that stuff. The biggest thing I remember, to be honest with you, was I show up and and I should be used. I'm so used to this now because everyone screws up New Mexico, New Mexico State, but to a lesser extent, they would screw up Idaho, Idaho State, and so I had gotten there, and Greg Remington comes out during the I show up and one of the media guys who's still there was like interviewing our coach and I'm there and Greg Remington goes hey I want you to look at the flip card let's just make sure this is good and I said okay and I took a look and I'm like Greg I don't know who these people are this isn't my team this isn't what I sent you and and he's looking at it and sure enough he had put a student in charge of it, and that person grabbed the Idaho roster. Wow. So I have to sit with Greg for about 40, 45 minutes while my team is doing their walkthrough. I get everything straightened out. I walk back in, gone. Team's off to the hotel. They're gone. They left me. They left me at the stadium. So now I'm like, I have no way. There's no Uber. There's none of that. 
So I'm like, well, I'm screwed. So I'm, now i got to try and get a hold of Greg. Greg, I can't find Greg. I don't have Greg's cell phone. I can't find anyone. So I'm sitting, I sat in the football offices because I couldn't even call a cab because there was no one there. So I sit outside the football offices for like an hour. And finally, some facility guy, I didn't even know we were staying. Uh-huh. I just knew we were at a Mar- I just knew we were at the Marriott, but there's three Marriotts. So they finally they brought me to the wrong Marriott. Then they brought me to the right Marriott, and I walked in during the team meal, and I got a standing ovation from my team. And it turned out that the the head coach like knew I wasn't there. Uh, he was kind of a brash guy named Tom Walsh, and I'm sure Walsh was on the bus going, yep, "He's not here. Let's go. We're getting out of here. We got things to do." <laughs> I got left behind. So yeah, the first game I ever worked, I got left behind at the stadium. So how did you grow as a person, maybe even as an SID, during 12 years at, at uh, Idaho State? Uh, how did I grow as a person? You know, the thing, we had a lot of different, you know, first of all, I had five ADs. So you certainly get used to different personalities. Uh-huh. You know, Irv Cross was a wonderful man, was not an AD, just was not an AD. Uh, his replacement was a guy named Howard Gothier, who I'm still friends with to this day. Terrific guy. Probably too nice a guy to be an AD. Um, Jim Center, who's now at UTEP, uh, was an AD for a little while with us. Uh, he was also a uh, very good guy. We got stressed out. Then we had Paul Bubb, who knew what he was doing. Uh, that didn't end well over there. Uh, but he's landed on his feet and is still doing good things in college athletics. So I think the biggest thing as far as, like, how did I grow? I think the biggest thing and the thing I'm proudest of is in learning from all these different people, everyone says the same thing, whether it's the coaches, because I work with, like, Larry Lewis, who's a good coach. Uh, Doug Oliver was a good coach. The guys I worked with all said the same thing. you got to hire good people. You know, it can't be just you. If it's just you, then you're fine. But if you're going to have assistance, you've got to hire people that compliment you and that know what they're doing. And I think the biggest strength to this day that I have is I hire good. I know who to hire. I hire good people. I have I've, I've hired a lot of people. I don't think I've had a flame out. I don't think I've had any that I just go, oh, that person was awful. You know, I mean, we, you talk, I mean, we know you've talked with Chelsea Chamberlain. You know, she was the rising star, the Cosider rising star winner. And I've, I'm like, yeah, I, I hired, that was a good hire. That was pretty good. <laughs> Did a good job with that one. You know, um, uh, Jason, I had a guy, Jason Erickson at Idaho State, who was just an unpaid intern who turns into a full-time assistant, who turns into the WAC, the, head, the assistant commissioner for the WAC, and is now at Utah Valley. And, um, you know, Chelsea's now at LSU. Uh, I've had people leave here and go to uh, the private sector because they wanted to get out of the business, but they're doing really good things in the private sector. And I've had people that left here and or left Idaho State and have gone on to other schools and bigger schools. So I think that's the big, the biggest thing as far as my growth is that you can't do everything, you can't do it alone, and you have to hire good people. And then I, I would, if you if you extrapolate that to New Mexico. The biggest thing is I think I've learned how to delegate my own time okay. a little bit. You know, it's it's very easy when you're the single guy to just be like, yeah, I'll do it. 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 And and 
you just disregard your wife. <laughs> I would make decisions and I would just tell her, well, that's the way it is. I got to do this job. It's just the way it is. Tough. <laughs> and that was, uh, it was almost like how I treated my kids sometimes. When your kids are like, well, I want to watch that. Well, tough. You don't get to watch it. And I treated my wife that way. Uh-huh. She'd be like, well, I, I don't want you to have to go to that. Well, tough. I have to go. And, you know, now I've kind of learned I need to inform her. I need to keep her involved in the situation. And I need to take her her situation and my situation is our situation. And so you have to learn how to really uh, balance those things. And, right. and for her, it's almost always, I just got to tell her. If I just fill her in and say, hey, do you mind if I'm this has come up? I think I may need to do this. Are you good with that? And it's a give and take. You know, hey, I'm going to have to do this, but let's do this instead. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, good. You're making time for me. You know, that's kind of the thing. Okay, awesome. So what was it kind of about New Mexico that made you want to leave Moscow? Uh, well, Pocatello. Pope, that's you right, did yeah. It. You did it. I know. You did it. I, I, I messed up. Oh, well. That's so okay. what was it about uh, New Mexico? That's okay. It fills in the thing. I, at least you didn't say what What was it that made you want to leave Moscow for Las Cruces. See, that would have been That would have been it. Yeah, all right. That would have been better. <laughs> um, you know, part of it was I was I was just I, – I don't want to say I was burned out, but I was basically done there. It was it was 12 years you're at that spot where it's you're either leaving or you're staying. And it was it was hard. You know, at, New, at Idaho State, I was – so we had a led, I think we had 16 sports. We had a, an assistant and a GA. I, and I was doing, at the time, I was doing football with travel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also doing soccer while doing football, um, which is great. But I was also their sport coordinator. I was the men's basketball person with travel. Yeah. And then the best one was I was the softball person who was also the sport coordinator, but because we had an issue with the coach, I was also traveling. So I actually, I actually did the math. One year, I did uh, twenty six thousand air miles, and the the circumference of the Earth is twenty four nine oh one. So I actually circumnavigated the globe. <laughs> and I thought this is not healthy. This is not healthy for anyone. Uh-huh. And then it's you know Albuquerque's hard. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Pocatello's hard because anytime we didn't fly charter for anything. So anytime you flew, it was you have to get a two and a half hour bus ride to get to the airport two to two and a half hours early to check in as a team. And so my whole life, I felt like my life was lived in buses and airports. Uh And it's just it's not a fun way to live. (laughs) It really isn't. So, you know, moving to Albuquerque, you land and four minutes after landing, I'm in my office. It's that close to the airport. Wow. So there were certain advantages to it. It was obviously a bigger football situation. I actually moved just – I wasn't doing football. I was doing basketball. And I had made a pretty good reputation doing basketball. We had never won anything at Idaho State. And that was the other thing. It was just this bludgeoning of never winning. And it's – you know, you just get bludgeoned to death and bludgeoned to death and bludgeoned to death. And after 20 years – I'll be honest, I got sick and tired of being the nail, and for once in my damn life, I wanted to be the hammer. And when I got to New Mexico, holy God, we were the hammer. We hammered the hell out of everybody. It was fun. I mean, it's it's been fun, because we tend to win at New Mexico. We didn't win this last year, and that's the first time it hasn't happened. 
but every other year we've just bludgeoned people and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, awesome. You know what that, that mispronunciation was? I said Moscow one time at my at my old job at Indiana Tech and, and somebody somebody in that office was from that area and they just reamed the crap out of me saying like that is not how you pronounce it. Now I've yeah, never, it's Moscow. Yeah, now I've never forgotten that. So I, I yeah. just that is not my. They do that. I'm, I'm adjusting here. The way I'm sitting is my back. Uh, they do that here in Boise uh, when you're if because you know, I'm up here for the wedding. But when it's you know it's not Boise, it's Boise, and they're very mm. anal retentive about that. My wife graduated from Boise High School, so I hear that a lot. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. um, I want to talk to you talk to you about something that maybe that you've done basically ever since you started, and maybe everybody's ever done now. Um, Maybe some people might have been getting away with it. Game notes, scoring. Um, oh gosh. So, so <laughs> <laughs> kind of loaded a little bit here, but so what are some things that you kind of do with your game notes that maybe that you've kind of evolved them over the years? First at Idaho State, now at New Mexico. That now that you're have a, a little bit of a bigger spotlight. It's sort of funny because at New Mexico, it's actually curtailed itself a little bit because the coaches. How do I put this? The coaches. It's almost too big. And so they're almost a little too serious and they forget how to have fun. You know, at Idaho State, nobody cared. I could do whatever I wanted and no one was paying attention. And that's how the game notes evolved. So we had this stretch where we were at 111, 1 and 10, 1 and 11. And then I went to New Mexico and we go 111, 111. So it was was a rough time. Um, But we couldn't win. We couldn't win to save our lives. And I was like, nobody's reading this. I mean, we're barely on TV, the radio guy. And so it got to be, what can I do to make this entertaining? Because it was brutal. Sundays are brutal. I'm Uh writing these things on Sunday, and I'm like, this sucks. So I started doing it just to entertain myself. I started putting some humor in it. I started trying to come up with the the weirdest ways to put different things. And the one I remember is we had, we went from 1990, my very first, one of my first games, 98, we had a kickoff return for a touchdown, a kid named Deron Finley. We didn't have another one until 2009. We went 11 years between kickoff return touchdowns. After we got the one in 2009, we got one on the very next time we had a kickoff return. The next one, the next week. And so I was like, you know, that's a... How do I put that? How do I put 11 years and seven days in perspective? So I started talking about the gestation period for a beluga whale is the longest. It's 19 months. Okay. And the shortest gestation period is nine days. A hummingbird is nine days from the time it gets an egg laid till it hatches. And so I was like, so I was trying to put it in perspective that in the time between these kickoffs, we could have had, uh, I think it was eight beluga whales and a preemie. And then we couldn't have had one hummingbird. And that's, that's okay. how I, and I, but I had like a giant picture of beluga whale with a hummingbird on it. And like people started picking up on it. And so I was like, maybe I'm onto something here. And so I've always tried to use a little bit of humor. And I've seen other people will do this and they do the same thing where they'll use humor. And, and sometimes it comes off forced. I've noticed sometimes people force it a little yeah. bit. And I always tried to bring it back to where we were going. I always try and educate. And then I, then I started getting into, like, themes for football. You can't do it for basketball because there's too many games. Right. But when I was at Idaho State, I was like, we had, we had an election. 
like we had the presidential election. So I did an entire election theme notes. Uh, we played at Oklahoma. And so my entire set of game notes was themed after Norman. So whether it was Norman Bates or whatever, I just, it was, I just was a goofball and it, it was hard to do it. Cause at New Mexico and New Mexico, a lot of people check my notes and they usually are like, no, you can't do that. But I slid one in this last year. So I'm a big Hanson fan. I love Hanson, the band. Mm-hmm. And we were playing in Tulsa, which is their hometown. Right. Yeah. So, so without being obvious on it, which means I couldn't use Mbop, but every title was an actual Hanson song. Every note title was a Hanson song, but they matched. You know, I was talking about our running game, and they have a song called The Running Man. Well, that was a perfect title for that. And I went all the way through, and no, and I, I finally someone got it at the at the stadium. They're like, hey, you know, these are these all Hanson songs? And I'm like, yes, someone got it. So, yeah. you know, I did a big uh, presentation, I want to say it was two years ago, Cosida. And the, the biggest thing for notes, when you talk about notes, is you got to tailor them to your school and your audience, and you got to know who your audience is. And um, I had a lot of different tips and, and things like that. Uh, you know, you should always repeat the most important stuff. Uh, use text box, uh, a box to set apart things to make it stand. You know, anything you really want people to notice, you got to make it stand out, just like you would in real life. If I, you know, there's a reason Elton John dresses the way he does because he wants to be noticed. So uh, you repeat certain things, you put things out there that you want to be noticed in a special way to get them noticed. Um, it doesn't matter whether your notes are really long, sorry, Patrick Walsh, really short. It, none of that stuff matters. What matters is the content and the presentation of it. And so you want them to look good because you want, you know, people look at a book. There's a reason, there's a reason people don't like to read the Bible because there's no pictures and there's no text boxes and it's all just text after text after text after text after text. And it gets daunting. It's actually not hard to read the Bible if you just read it. Yeah. But when you look at it, you're like, oh, my God, this sucks. So you can't make your notes look like the Bible. They have to have some color and some pictures and some different stuff in it to make them enticing. So uh, last question before we got to move on to some other stuff. But um, huh? baseball scoring, things like that. So how did you kind of – one gets stuck with the whack tournament job, and two, how do you kind of? Because because I, I you know, personal story, I have a hard time with uh, appe- appeasing to some minor league team here in town. But um, how do you kind of like are able to balance that with all the teams and being being quote unquote fair to everybody? So you know, usually here's a couple of things. Number one, you got to know what hill you're dying on. And usually official scoring, I am not dying on a hill with a coach unless I'm really adamant about it or it's a rule. You know, a lot of times you can just talk. The WAC tournament's interesting because when I do the WAC tournament, I've, I've been questioned once in nine years. I've been questioned once in nine years. And wow. it's kind of great. <laughs> it's really kind of great. Maybe, you know, it might be twice. Now that I think about that, uh, Doa over at San Jose State had a question about an error. But uh, he knew it was an error. He didn't know which guy it was going to be on. You know, no one really questions it, which is kind of nice. They kind of look at me as the expert and they just leave, leave it be. Uh, I do minor league team. I do the uh, the. I've done the Augusta Green Jackets. I do the Albuquerque Isotopes. First of all, I know who the man. You kind of got to know who the manager is. You know, at at New Mexico, the manager is Ray Birmingham. He's considered one of the foremost hitting guys in in college baseball. 
Glenn Allen Hill is the manager of the Albuquerque Isotopes. He is a hitting guy. He was a hitting coach before that. He is a hitter, hitter, hitter. So guess where they're going to lean towards? Hitters. So right now, my scoring tends to lean towards, if it's a 50-50, I'll go hit, because I know that's where they lean. And I can always turn it around. Usually the best way to do it is to turn it around and go, listen, if it was your guy, you would want me to lean towards hit here. And they go, yeah, that's true. Usually that's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, my favorite arguments are the ones where it's a it's like a rule, and people want to go crazy over a rule. We did a we had a situation. So one of the things, and this is sometimes I can't sleep. I will start looking up the weirdest crap I can think of, and then try and figure out what game it is because YouTube's got everything. Right. So there's actually a YouTube compilation of balls going through gloves, and I went down the rabbit hole of balls going through gloves and I went and I figured out what game every game was. And I looked up how they got scored. So if it ever happens to me, I can legitimately say, look, I've researched this. This is how it's done. So when I looked it up, I went and I found the games and then I found like a couple of newspaper articles and we're playing the Las Vegas, the Las Vegas 51s. Guy hits a line drive right through. It went right through the first baseman's glove. Rolls down into the outfield. And the first baseman's got to trade his glove. And I'm like, double. I'm like, that's a double. And even the PR guy's like, they're going to call about that. I said, Major League Baseball scores this a double. And I started citing off all the stuff. He's like, okay. And sure enough, here come the Vegas team. They, they questioned it. And the guy says, how can you score that a double? And I list. I had it all written out. I, I, I wrote it out already. And I listed everything. I said, this is what Major League Baseball says. Uh, if, if it goes through the glove off the bat, it's considered the action of the batter. The batter gets the benefit of the doubt it's a hit. If the ball is thrown to the first baseman and goes through his glove, that's the action of the fielder, not the batter. Therefore, it is the fielder's fault, and the benefit of the doubt does not go to the batter. It goes the error is charged to the fielder. And he, I said the whole thing, and he goes, well, that was really thought out. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> and that was the end of it. We were uh-huh. done. So I like stuff like that. Like I like the nuances and all the different things. And, you know, what I don't get into is like when we're playing somebody else and they're like, well, that's an error. Okay. That's, that's your job. Uh That's your opinion. You know, scoring is, is an opinion. I don't have, I'll never question if someone wants to go hit or error, whatever, that's fine with me. But if you're going to credit an RBI on a drop third strike, you're going to have a problem with me because that can't happen. Those are when I have the issues. Awesome. So I'd like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. First one yes. I have for you, Frank, is... Have these not been fun? Uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But, that, but I got some, I got some like, what, what, what's the term for it? Grassroots? Is that a question? I don't know what no. it is. But what's your uh, favorite memory in your professional tenure? Um, favorite memory, I would say... Of the recent stuff, definitely winning a bowl game, just knowing where New Mexico football was. And then it's funny. You're, I'm at Augusta, Belmont Abbey, uh, and Idaho State was 20 years of my life. We had one winning season in basketball in those 20 years. One year we went 15 and 14. So my second year at, at New Mexico, we finally get to that. We won the regular season title. We get to the conference championship game. The game itself is a little bit of a blur. My distinct memory was 
the game's going to be on CBS. Uh-huh. And my memory was we had the late game. We came back. I came back to the hotel, and I didn't have internet in the hotel. They wouldn't buy me internet because New Mexico, they wouldn't buy me internet. So I'm down in the lobby of the South Point Hotel. I go to the uh, – I'm sitting in the lobby, and I'm just doing my work in the lobby so I can get free internet. I'm watching people come in and out. And it's like it's like midnight, and I'm not done. I'm not even close to being done updating these notes for the championship. I went to the graveyard shift menu in the cafe and got like a burger at like 12:30 at night. Uh-huh. I get a burger and I get fries and a coke and I just I'm eating and I go back and I sit and I finally finished the notes. It was probably around three o'clock. And I sent them to CBS and everyone, and then I got done and I just like. I sat there and I kind of watched people walk in and out and I thought, finally, like, this is cool. This is why I wanted to do this Mm -hmm. moment right here. This is the thing I've been waiting on. Right. And like, that was a really cool moment. I mean, there's personal stuff, but like, as far as the job's concerned, that was really, that was really, really cool. So what about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Um, had a couple of athletes die. That's never fun. I had a coach die. I had a coach commit suicide, which my mom committed suicide, and and that this happened before that. Um, so when my mom's thing happens, this brings all that stuff back up. Um, those were hard. Uh, I had a student athlete snap her leg right in front of me on a on an aborted pole vault. Oh, that was terrible. Um, she went up. I was actually talking with Stacy Jergila, who won the first ever gold medal in the pole vault she uh-huh. in Sydney and we were by the pole vault and she and I were just chatting because she went to Idaho State and we're just talking and this girl Chantel Sherado, thank God she was wearing like the knee high socks you know she wore like the really long socks yeah the compression she goes yeah. up aborts the vault when she came down she kind of came down wrong and her leg just made a sound and it was snapped within the sock so I didn't have to see it per se and I just, I remember looking at it and looking away going, oh God, trainer, 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 trainer. And it was just, it was gross. It ended her career. Um, the, and those, those are the worst. Anything like that is just terrible. And cause you don't, I mean, you don't expect, you're not expecting a 21 year old kid mm-hmm. three days, two days after the bowl game to get, to have his car blow a tire flip and him get thrown out and die. You just don't expect things like that. That's what happened with Mark Bird, And so those are the really hard ones. Okay. All right. Um, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Oh, um, you know, Matt, I heard Matt Turk's advice, which was kind of get involved uh, in everything. And I think that's probably pretty good. Uh, there's the other side of it, which is, because I remember, I remember sitting watching one of the Cosida Awards when I was early in my tenure, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, I wonder if these people ever worked as hard as I did. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I remember, that, you know, <laughs> I'm busting my ass here. I wonder if they just coasted. And you know what? They ha- they didn't. I know they didn't, and I know I haven't. And so, the number one thing is, you got to have a work ethic. If like if you don't like work, don't do it. Because because it's work. It's not it's not that it's not fun. It's it should always be fun. That's probably the other thing. 
is it should always be fun. It's honestly, I don't have a lot of gripes about New Mexico. One of my gripes is I don't think people have fun. And, and there's some things in there that probably going on in New Mexico right now aren't fun for one reason or another. Right. I mean, we are technically the only school who has their own hate blog that people just write about us. It's unbelievable. But we don't have enough fun. And, and th- it is in the grand scheme of things, when you take away all the bells and whistles and all the crap that's going on, you're getting paid to watch a kid play a game. And right. at some point, that's got to come through. Because that's what it is. They're, you're, I'm, I'm, they're paying me. I get paid to do this stuff. Like, when I work the WAC baseball tournament, they pay me for that one. I can't <laughs> believe I get paid for it. And it's like, every day I get paid to watch kids play games. Like, when we beat Boise State, I'm sitting on the sidelines. And they run that lateral play, and we tackle them at the four-yard line, and we win. And I'm like, having been in Idaho for 12 years and then in New Mexico, to actually beat Boise State in football was, I never I never thought I'd experience it. I never thought I'd say it. And like we were going crazy, and everyone was going nuts. And I remember when I grabbed Coach Davey to get him to do his interview, and I grabbed him, I put him on the camera, and I'm talking to the, 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 the programming director, over there, and I remember I looked at him and I went, I got paid to do that today. And he's like, pretty cool, right? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is cool. So that's my other big advice. You got to you gotta want to work because if you don't want to work, if you think it's just easy and it's going to be a piece of cake, don't do this. And then you got to have fun at it. It is such a fun job if you allow yourself to have fun. God bless Chelsea Chamberlain. If, if I can give you one thing, I guarantee you at LSU, she's having fun. Because in New Mexico, she made a fun. And when she was at Pacific, she had fun. And she gets it. That, that lady gets it. It's a fun job. And my current assistants have fun, too. But, like, that's how you have to be. That's one of the things I look for is people. Are they going to be boring or are they going to be fun? Right. Because if you're going to be boring, I really don't want you. Uh, what is uh, one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Oh, boy. Um, what am I interested to learn more? I just, I just keep wondering what the hell is the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, right. it was like Facebook. Everyone's got to get Facebook. And now it's like Twitter. Everyone's got to get Twitter. And then got to get the, as my kids call it, got to get the gram dad. And now it's Instagram and now Snapchat's getting to be big, but Snapchat's starting to die off. Cause you can do some of that stuff on Instagram and you know what, what the hell's next. And, and so it's always interesting my theory on all these things is, is everyone says, oh, this is going to make your job easier and it's going to help you. But everything that happens in this job that makes it easier also makes it more difficult. It's a lot like my wife. I've always said this. The things I love about my wife are the things I hate about my wife. Uh-huh. The things that she loves about me are the things she hates. about. She loves the fact that I have so much fun in life. She hates the fact that I struggle to be serious. I love the fact that she's regimented and schedules her day out and, and you know, point by point by point by point. And I, I hate the fact that sometimes I can't go, we're going to go see a movie. It throws her off. What, what, what are we doing? I didn't have a schedule. So that's to me like what the social media and all these new things are. Hey, now we have Twitter and it's great. Okay, but now I have to actually do freaking Twitter all the time, and it doesn't end. I'm on vacation, and you know what I've been doing on my vacation? Tweeting. Twitter. Yeah. 
<laughs> and it's Instagram and social media and stuff like that. And so, the, you know, the things that, hey, we got this new thing that's for video and it's going to make, you know, we have an iPhone and on iPhone 10, you can do multiple things for video. Well, that's great. But now I have to do multiple things for video. And so that's I'm just I'm always curious. What's the next thing? Because there's all these different fads. And I always hear people, well, we got to do this and we got to do this. And they always forget that the core principle of everything is you have to write, you have to know how to write, you have to know how to communicate, and you have to know how to talk to people. Hmm. For all those other things, because if you don't know how to write, you're going to look like an idiot on your own website. And we are a college. Last I checked, I work for a university, a place of higher learning. I should know how to write. There's professors <laughs> I should know how to write a little bit. If you don't know how to communicate, you're going to piss the wrong booster off. You're going to piss the wrong person off, the wrong media member, the wrong fan. And you're going to piss off the one fan who decides, I'm going to write to the paper. And they write these long letters and stuff like that. So all the different things are great. It always comes back to me at the core. You've got to be able to write. You've got to be able to communicate. And you've got to know how to talk to people and be personable. You already kind of covered this one quite a bit, actually. Um, but what makes a good ice idea in your mind? Um, you know, and I knew this question was coming, and I've struggled for to what makes it. I think what makes it is the marriage of the person, the place, and the situation. Okay. I think I I, I think I'm a really good SID for New Mexico. I don't know if I'm a good SID for Auburn. I may not be a good SID for Auburn. Um, I think Chelsea was really good for us. I think she's really good for LSU. I think she fit that situation. There's situations I would never recommend her for. So, you know, there's all the different skill sets and the things you have to do, but I think it, it's always the marriage of the person and the situation and the place, because there's, there's really good SIDs who could not handle the last 19 months at New Mexico. They just couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm, sometimes I wonder how the hell I did it between between various deaths and marriage and this, that, the other thing in my personal life, plus all the crazy crap that's gone on between you know the Scotland trip and this blog and whatever you want to put on there. It, you know, new president, a new AD, and there's a lot of different things. It it's it depends. It's not a question you can just answer and say, well, if you do this, this, and this, you're going to be a good SID. Maybe, uh-huh. but but you may suck because you're in the wrong spot and your skill set doesn't translate to the place you're at. Uh, next time someone's in Albuquerque, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Oh, jeez. Uh, here's uh, first of all, you got to get the green chili. That's number one. Okay. Getting green chili. Let me do this. If you're going for breakfast. Because uh, I feel like I am one of the foremost breakfast burrito people. Uh, I like my breakfast burritos. I like them with green chili. You know, and if you're going fast food, you can't go wrong between Twisters and you can't go wrong between Blake's. It's a battle between the two of them. Blake's takes a little longer. Sometimes it's a little too potato-y, which I don't like. But the absolute... Number one best breakfast burrito. Burrito, period, period. But I eat them for breakfast. There's a place, it's very New Mexican for me. It's El Modelo. You have to take the, you have to take Avenida Cesar Chavez 
and go over the Guadalupe overpass to El Modelo. Okay. And you get to El Modelo, and it is a beef brisket, cheese, and green chili burrito. You can get it with egg, too. I've had it with egg. It's amazing. But it's a giant burrito with beef brisket that's been cooked for, like, 24 hours. And it's just, oh, my God, my mouth is melting right now because I'm not there to eat it. (laughs) That's, like, that place is unbelievable. And then if I'm going, like, if I'm taking my wife on a, my wife, uh, if we're going to a restaurant uh, for, like like, a fancy place we're going to uh there's two italian places same same ownership uh called matucci's which you go italian really but we've got a really good set of italian restaurants called matucci's that i've sent a couple of people to and they always text me back and they're like dude that was spot on so yeah cool uh work life balance what do you do to have fun uh what do i do to have fun uh for the most part my wife and i cook so we have no kids in the house uh, all my kids have moved out, so they're all old, like me. Uh, so we tend to cook. Um, uh, I haven't had a lot of fun lately because I've been doing stuff for the wedding. <laughs> I've built cornhole boards, which came out awesome, by the way. Um, so we, if we do things, we tend to watch movies. We like the same TV shows. Uh, we'll go to the movies. Uh, we actually lead two um, – actually, she leads two groups. I'm kind of like a co-leader. Uh, at our church, so we do that uh, on Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, I work for the Isotopes because I like baseball, so I do stuff like that. Uh, but for the most part, if we're going to like, hey, let's do something, we tend to cook or go see a movie. And like we get experimental with our cooking, and we've done like the whole lobster thing, and uh, I've gotten really good at making fry- my fried shrimps to die for. It's really good. All right, awesome. Uh, if anybody had any questions for you, maybe want to follow up with you, just chat with you, uh, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, let's see, Twitter, I'm pretty easy to find, uh, F, at FM Mercogliano, uh, and then my email is fmercog at unm.edu. Um, those are probably the two. I'm pretty, pretty much on Twitter. Most folks find me there. There's been a – I've been given grief from uh, – People were talking, uh, I guess, on a SID chat about uh, when you're at Cosida, you may have a chance. you got to be prepared for an interview anywhere at Cosida because you never know where it's going to happen. And Liv Coiro, we interviewed her for a position, and I didn't offer it to her, not because I didn't think she was good. I knew she wouldn't take it. it was, New Mexico is too brown, just too much dirt for her. She needs greenery in her life. And uh, But we interviewed her in the hotel bar, in uh-huh. the lounge area of the bar. And, and she was like, it was really loud, but yeah, I had to do that. And I was like, I was just waiting to see if you were going to order a drink. Just wanted to see what you are going to do. Put you in new and different stimuli to see what happens. So, uh, yeah, it's um, that's uh, what I do. All right, awesome. Well, Frank, I, where to find me. Yeah, well, Frank, I, I really do appreciate you coming on. I know that you were busy. Uh, congratulations on your daughter. Do- oh, you can tell that to your daughter. I'm getting married. So, um, again, thank you very much for taking I'll, time. I'll, I'll make her listen to this, but only to the end of the podcast because she's not going to listen. I think we've been going on about an hour. Yeah, this we're about 55 minutes. Yeah. It's maybe the longest one you've had. And she's not, trust me, she listens to me ramble all the time anyway. But she'll go right to the very end and then listen to, to you congratulating her on the wedding. The wedding went great. It was awesome. She married a, she married a guy that I've known for since he was, I think, in eighth grade, I think is when I met him. 
So they've known yeah. each other forever. It was a really cool wedding. It was in Boise, Idaho. Weather was perfect. It was really good. And the best part was I didn't trip walking her down the aisle. Perfect. Bonus for me, and I didn't curse during my speech. So, <laughs> bonus. All right, awesome. Well, again, thank Frank, thank you very much for coming on. Absolutely. My pleasure. Well, guys, there you have it. I want to thank you all for tuning in to yet another week of SIDCast. Again, you can follow us anytime on uh, social media at Sports Infocast on both Twitter and Facebook. And you can give us a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you get your, this podcast. Um, you can just, it just takes a couple seconds. You can look at what other people have said and then you can say, oh, that's, that's just a sentence. I can literally log in for a split second and then leave Dave a sentence. Um, just saying how much you enjoyed the podcast. They gave us a five-star, four-star review. Um, it doesn't really matter to me, but uh, I just like hearing from you people um, and expanding this show as much as it can go. So next week, speaking of expanding, we are going back out to California with our interviews with Matt Fenton from Claremont Mud Scripts. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking with him. We also have a Cosida preview episode coming up, and you can bet that Sterling and I are hopping on to do, uh, I'm hoping to get a couple more people uh, to do a Cosida recap episode. And I've also got a special announcement as far as Cosida is concerned. Uh, yet again, and I, we, we'll try and announce that as soon as we can, possibly next week during the show. Um, so be sure to tune in. And listen to that. So I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode. And we'll catch you all in the next one.